2016 podcast. And now, your host, Ellis Tolbert. What's going on, folks? Welcome to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Hopefully, you all had a fantastic holiday weekend, but folks, We've got some football to get after this weekend. It's here. We've waited for it all year. It's the playoffs. Super excited about it. Of course, we know our Clemson Tigers, who are 13-0, ACC champions for the fifth time in a row, <laughs> will be taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Second game of the playoffs this Saturday. It'll be on ESPN at 8 p.m. Super excited about this game for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, this game has not been very kind to the Ohio State Buckeyes. In fact, Ohio State, as we know, has never beaten Clemson. In fact, the last time they played Clemson was in this same bowl in 2016. They lost 31-0. We promptly sent them back to Ohio and sent Urban Meyer packing, which was probably the end of his career at that moment. You can remember sitting at that little cart, eating some pizza, rubbing his head, trying to figure out what just happened. Uh, of course, the Tigers laid the wood on them. Will this game be similar to that game, or will it be more like the 2013 thriller, whereas Clemson pulled it out late? Uh, we'll talk about that and more in this segment. Of course, this game is a big game. Again, it's the second of the two semifinal games. Uh, this is the one that a lot of people are thinking as the national championship caliber playoff game. This might be the best playoff game that we've seen so far. <laughs> I, I don't think any other game has been this hyped. Uh, I know that Clemson, Alabama in 2017 was kind of hyped just because of the history. But, you know, it, this game is legit for a couple of reasons. One, Ohio State was looked at as the most complete team for the majority of the season. Uh, the team that everyone says is the best team. Of course, they dropped later on to LSU because of everybody having recency bias. And <laughs> I won't even get into that. But it is what it is. Ohio State was looked at as the best team in the country. Clemson was the undefeated Turning national championship, defending national champions. Uh, they did have, you know, one little split slip up early in the year where they played kind of a bad game. They did not lose the game. Make sure to remind everyone of that. They did not lose the game. Uh, but after that, went on a tear and destroyed everyone else. Now, the knock on Clemson has been they don't play anyone. Now they finally play someone. They end up playing the team that everyone thinks is the best team out there. Uh, so, again, that makes this game very compelling. I don't think anyone thinks that Ohio State uh, could lose to Clemson right now. And I think all the Clemson fans don't think that we're going to lose to Ohio State. I think that everyone out there, whether they believe it or not, thinks that LSU is going to crush Oklahoma. Uh, I, you know, So again, this game is more compelling. This is the one that everybody wants to see. It's going to be in prime time. going to be a very good game. It's interesting, though. The split, like I said, everyone for Ohio State thinks they're going to beat Clemson. Everybody for Clemson thinks they're going to beat Ohio State. If you look at the matchup predictor for ESPN, their FPI index, 54% uh, says that Ohio State's going to beat Clemson. However, if you look at all the Vegas betting lines and everything like that, Clemson is a two-point favorite. Uh, so it's just kind of funny how that works out. The over-under for this game is 63. Take that for whatever you will. Uh, I think it's going to be a very good game for one team. I don't, I'm not exactly sure it's going to be as close as people think it's going to be. I think that's just for 
you know, compelling reasons they want it to be very close because, again, this is the national championship caliber team uh, that we're seeing on both sides. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. We're going to start with their offense. Of course, Ryan Day is coming in as the head coach for Ohio State Buckeyes. He's technically 16-0 if you count the three games that he served as head coach for Urban Meyer in 2018 before coming back. Um, he's offensive coordinator last year. Now he is the full-on quarterback coach and offensive coordinator and head coach. Uh, and I say that because they do have co-coordinators, but we all know that Ryan Day is calling the shots offensively for the Buckeyes. Now, he does come in with co-coordinators I mentioned earlier, uh, Kevin Wilson and Mike Yurzich. Now, Kevin Wilson was recently the head coach at Indiana, was looked at as one of those guys that is a offensive mastermind. I wholeheartedly believe that Urban Meyer hired him over to get him away from Indiana. Indiana has been giving Ohio State some fits, at least defensively, for the last few years. Uh, even this year, without him, Tom Allen did a great job with the uh, Indiana Hoosiers this season. But again, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that's really good offensively. Mike Yursich came over from Oklahoma State. He was under Mike Gundy. So you know he knows a lot about quarterbacks. He knows a lot about the offensive uh, game, especially in the passing game. Um, but again, these two guys pretty much serve as consultants, in my opinion, to Ryan Day. Uh, I think Ryan Day is known as the quarterback whisperer of today's modern game. Uh, we've seen what he's done with a couple teams. He's had a lot of opportunities to go to other places. He had some NFL shots, including the Tennessee Titans of my liking. Uh, he's had a lot of opportunities. He's been linked for a lot of things, but he decided to take the job that was pretty much handed to him. He came upon a Maserati, <laughs> a Lamborghini, whatever car you can think of that's super, super expensive expensive and fancy. That's what he got at Ohio State. Urban Meyer just pretty much walked away and gave him the job. So he'd be an idiot to not take that job. Of course, they have just pretty much been status quo. <laughs> it was the same thing with Trestle and Urban Meyer. And Trestle was fired, pseudo-resigned. Urban Meyer took over a program that was already really good. They were undefeated that first year. Couldn't go to a bowl game uh, because of some things with Trestle, but still, they were undefeated. Urban Meyer did not resurrect this program. They were already good. So that's uh, kind of what Ryan Day did. He took a program that had won a national championship and played in the semifinals uh, in the same stretch of four years. So it's kind of like, you know, he's just adding on to what everyone else does at Ohio State. Whereas Debo Swinney took Clemson from the depths of being a very mediocre team, a very big afterthought in college football to the premier elite program. So again, if we're talking about matching head coaches, I don't think there's any competition between the two. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about it again. Their offense, there's, they're different. They're kind of a chameleon. They build to whatever their strengths are, which is what pretty much every single offensive coordinator and head coach should do. Uh, you, you play to your strengths. Uh, we see that a lot with Brent Venables and his defense. They're able to mold to what their strengths was. Of course, things change on a year-to-year -year basis. Uh, they're only one graduation away from being different, and that's exactly what ended up happening. If you look at the Ohio State Buckeyes of last season, uh, their philosophy was totally different. A lot of empty sets, a lot of 11 personnel, 
airing the ball out all over the field. Running backs did run the ball pretty well, but they were an afterthought because you had a guy named Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> this guy was throwing the ball every single chance he got, which actually got them in a lot of trouble last season. You look at a big loss to Purdue. Uh, they just couldn't stop throwing the ball. That was what they did, even though they had a all-American running back, J.K. Dobbins, behind them. It's just, that's just what it was, and same with Mike Weber. But, you know, in my opinion... They have changed this season. They have changed to a ground and pound team. That is what Ohio State likes to do this season. Despite what all the other stats say, everything that I've seen in all the games that I've looked at Ohio State this season shows that they want to be a run first team. That's, that's their mentality. So we'll go ahead and talk about the strengths of their offense and we'll go ahead and get into it. The strength of their offense, in my opinion, by far is at running back for good reasons. J.K. Dobbins is the best running back that we will see all season. I said that a couple of times before because we've seen some really good running backs, but from this point and beyond, I don't care if we see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for LSU should we get past Ohio State or, you know, Kennedy Brooks for Oklahoma. J.K. Dobbins is the best running back that we will have seen all season. He is that good. <laughs> they rely on him too. He's an 1,800-yard rusher, 20 touchdowns, even more passing, uh, pass receptions. He is just an all-around player. He is the leader of that offense, and for good reason. This guy is legitimately good. His backups aren't shabby either. You got a guy like Master Teague, which is a running back that Clemson so sorely wanted. Uh, we wanted that kid, did not get him. Um, but that's fine. We ended up getting some other really good running backs, <laughs> should I mention that. But again, Ohio State running back core, really good. Quarterback does some running, too. We'll talk a little bit about that a little bit more uh, in depth with the quarterback segment. But again, their running backs are fantastic. I like to lean on those guys, especially when they're playing teams with weaker defenses or smaller depth. When they don't have a lot of backups that can contribute on a high level, they will definitely run the ball down your throat and make you pay. They'll make you look at the clock and see that your chances to win are dwindling by every second. Uh, that's what they're good at. Uh, when it comes to everything else, it's kind of up in uh, up in the air. It's kind of a flux. Uh, Ohio State just does that. But again, they want to be a running team. A lot of that reason is because the running back is that good. But the other reasons will transfer transition over to the next segment, which would be quarterbacks. Justin Fields. Now, I don't think that they are a strength of the offense. I actually think they are the third best. Uh, position group of the offense. And we'll talk about this because we need to segue into Justin Fields a little bit. Of course, we know all about Justin Fields when he came from high school. We knew that he was battling for number one spot with Trevor Lawrence. We knew how good those guys were coming out of high school. Both Georgia products, both guys are in the Elite 11 with Justin Fields actually winning the Elite 11 over Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, it is what it is. We know truly which one's the better quarterback <laughs> and I don't want to be disrespectful to what Justin Fields has done this season but we don't know much about Justin Fields now coming out of high school again phenomenal he was a fantastic quarterback coming out of high school for good reason signs of the Georgia Bulldogs terrible decision in my opinion he was nothing more than a gimmick player there they brought him in to run the ball you know they brought him in to hand the ball off they brought him in to <laughs> apparently do fake punts. I don't understand that, but, uh, you know, he was a desperation players for a lot of these coaches. Uh, you'll see a lot of these players do things like that in, in future games. It's kind of what they are, but he was misused at Georgia. Now he goes to Ohio state 
under a quarterback whisper, like I said, and Ryan Day, now he looks like the second coming of JT Barrett at one point, or, you know, Braxton Miller. He's a good mixture of both of those guys, although I do think he can pass a little bit better than both of them. Uh, but, you know, we didn't know much about Justin Fields. Now, if you look at his stats, pretty good. He's obviously very protective of the football. I wouldn't say he's very accurate. I wouldn't say he's the most accurate quarterback we've seen all season, but he is very protective with the football. You look at that because of the 40 touchdowns to one interception all season. He has not thrown more than one interception all season. That's incredible uh, considering he's thrown the ball 300 times uh, this season. So (laughs) very good rate. Uh, But again, a lot of the passing concepts for Ohio State is more either vertical or short. And this is why I said this about Virginia. Virginia being very comparable to Ohio State because they have similar quarterbacks. Bryce Perkins for Virginia is one of those guys that can use his legs. He's a very big quarterback, just like Justin Fields. Uh, He might actually be a little bit bigger than Justin Fields. Uh, He's a senior, so we know he has more experience. He's not as accurate as Justin Fields, but he's not too far away. But both guys will either throw the ball very far or very short. That's exactly what's going to happen with Justin Fields in this game. Uh, Outside of Justin Fields, there is no one else at quarterback. Gunnar Hoke transferred in from Kentucky, not a very good quarterback. I think he dropped down to third after being very neck-and-neck race uh, with Justin Fields earlier in the year during the spring. And you had a guy named Chris Chuganoff. He came over from West Virginia, also a not very good quarterback. (laughs) I don't like to... You know, really talk down on players in this in, in in my segments. Everyone knows that, but these guys are not very good. Uh, should Justin Fields go down, and I'm hoping that he doesn't. I don't want to see anyone injured for either team. If Justin Fields goes down in this game, especially against a team like Clemson uh, with the defense that we have, it is over. It, it is there's no chance of them coming back. Um, it, that's it, that's just the truth of it. Uh, so the the biggest thing for Ohio State is keeping Justin Fields healthy. Uh, but Justin Fields is going to be a question mark for this game. He is about 80 to 85 percent per his own words uh, in an interview. Uh, he's talking about how, you know, he's got a smaller brace he's going to wear to the game. But if anything major happens, he's got a bigger brace that he's also going to move into uh, should he need to. Of course, that injury came against Michigan, went down kind of awkwardly, hard hit, uh, laid on the ground for a little while, looked kind of ugly. Uh, but he ended up coming back into the game, throwing a very long touchdown pass. And everyone's like, OK, well. Back to normal. (laughs) The only thing is I've noticed that there is a difference with Justin Fields in his mobility. You look at early in the season, of course, he's not – he's like the third leading rusher on the team, uh, but he's not per se a run-first quarterback, not in college game at least. I think he wants to do the whole Lamar Jackson, I can prove that I can throw the ball thing at Ohio State, which he's doing pretty well. But again, it's going to be interesting to see how well he holds up in this game. If he gets in a situation where he's running for his life and number 11, Isaiah Simmons after him, I wonder if he tries to slide a little bit more in this game, if he tries to run out of bounds a little bit shy of the first down, or if he does things like that, if he's stuck in the pocket. So it's going to be interesting to watch. But again, they have to keep him healthy. Uh, But the second strength, in my opinion, in this offense, strangely, is at tight end. They've got a lot of tight ends that are really good. (laughs) They're kind of like Boston College in that regard. They just 
keep rolling out tight ends that are really good. Although uh, Boston College is not known for throwing the ball, Ohio State can throw the ball, and these guys are really good receivers. Uh, personnel they like to use because of this is 12. They're mostly in 12. I talked about last season how they were more of a uh, throw the ball over the yard type team. They were doing a lot of empty sets back then, a lot of bunch sets. Uh, they were doing a lot of 11 personnel with just one tight end, and he might even play H-back position as an extra blocker. This year, uh, you know, they're more in 12. They're using two tight ends out there. Luke Farrell, freshman guy Jeremy Ruckert. This guy is unbelievable. <laughs> he is what we thought, you know, we'd have in a guy like Braden Galloway, a uh, guy like Davis Allen, guy like Jalen Lane. He is the epitome of all of that. Uh, it seems like it just comes easy for that kid. He is very good with catching the ball. He made an amazing catch uh, against Wisconsin in the conference championship game, one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. Uh, he tried it again and dropped it later in the game. <laughs> so you want to see him try to catch the ball with two hands, but he's very big player, high points the ball, very smart, very good route runner too. They'll use him in a slot position with Farrell, the other tight end, uh, being closer to the line as an extra blocker. That way they can kind of hit you with a pseudo four wide, uh, but it's actually more of just having 11 personnel. Uh, so these guys are really, really good. Uh, and we want to watch out for those tight ends, especially across the middle. Clemson hasn't really been tested across the middle all season outside of North Carolina. Though That was the only team that was really able to uh, capitalize on the middle of the field against uh, Clemson. Also, you want to watch out for mismatches when coverage and secondary. Uh, I talked about how Clemson has the number one passing defense in the country, but there are still some weaknesses there. I don't think I have to talk about that in specific. Uh, and there, there's some things that were kind of exploited against Virginia. That's going to be something that I'm sure Brent Venables game plan for because of the fact that it's out there on tape. And it's been the knock all season for the last three years uh, that there's specific players in Clemson secondary that can be mismatched. Uh, that's true of anybody, though. You, you can mismatch anybody if you have the right scheme. Uh, but this player, particularly, I think he's actually going to have a really good game because of that. I think they're going to be able to scheme Tanner Muse, which is the safety I'm talking about. They're going to be able to scheme him in a coverage type thing that might end up being in his favor rather than having him one-on-one -on -one with a guy. You saw him last we, uh, last game against Hasis Dubois, receiver for Virginia, who's actually one of the better receivers in the country. Just didn't work out very well. Same with the tight end, same with the slot receivers. You want to try to get him soloed. But if you don't have him there, if you have him disguised as a coverage guy and you send him on a blitz, it's over. Or you have him in a robber situation where you kind of flip him in uh, Kayvon Wallace in coverages. It, it could be pretty bad for Ohio State if they're trying to pick on him specifically. Specifically. Uh, so again, uh, these tight ends are very good. We've got to watch out for them. The next group that I think would be uh, okay, but not the best is at receiver. They've got some pretty good players though. Those guys are talented. You talk about a guy like uh, Benjamin Victor, Austin Mack, KJ Hill, who is the senior of the group, Austin Mack as well. Uh, they've got some players that can really play at the receiver position, but they're not anybody, anybody that can really scare me. The only player that I look at, uh, the only two players I look at could be a, a problem for the secondary would be Chris Olave and KJ Hill. Uh, these guys are the ones that are the most explosive of the team. You see them, they're always catching big plays. Uh, you look at a guy like Olave, he's got 46 receptions, but 799 yards and 11 touchdowns. That clearly means the kid can catch some passes. He's got a lot of 
airspace with that yards. Uh, he He's like <laughs> catching 25-yard passes, 50-yard passes. Again, reminds me a lot of Virginia, which is why I thought Virginia game would be a perfect tune-up for Clemson against Ohio State. I thought that if we ended up playing a team like Miami or Pitt or North Carolina again, it would, wouldn't really translate over to Ohio State. Those teams aren't very similar. But I think the receivers for Ohio State are good. I just don't think they're anywhere comparable to the Clemson receivers. I think they get off on being in a scheme coverage. They're catching balls. Either they've beaten a guy one-on-one down the field, which they will not see in Clemson a lot. Clemson's not going to play a whole lot of man in this game. Uh, I think they're, they're going to to uh, you know, try to either beat a team one-on-one down the field or they'll have them in these little zone coverage busts where you know there's like five feet around them in the entire circumference around them. Uh, no one's near them. That's why Justin Fields is so accurate. It's an easy throw. They make a lot of layups. They're able to take these layups and go for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 yards sometimes too. So we need to watch out for that. They're a lot like Alabama when it comes to short passes going for long plays. But again, the receivers, not really a big concern of mine in this game. I think it's going to be the running backs for sure. The weak link of this offense, in my opinion, along with the quarterbacks, is actually the offensive line. Uh, For good reason, they're only returning four guys. uh, They're actually just one. (laughs) Four guys on the offensive line had no uh, previous starting experience for Ohio State. Uh, There's only one guy who did, uh, Thayer Mumford. He's a junior. He's a left tackle. Pretty good player. They do rotate players out. They they kind of do like Clemson, you know, cross-train them. They have guys that can play different positions. But for the most part, uh, you know, these guys are new to the offense when it comes to starter positions. They've done okay, especially in the run game. Clearly, uh, you got J.K. Dobbins, 1,800 yards rushing. They're doing something good. But when it comes to the passing game, they're not that good. They remind me a lot of Virginia. Virginia did a pretty good job of, you know, kind of limiting Clemson's pass rush, but I think a lot of that was just the game plan that Clemson went into with Virginia. You know, that's an unfamiliar team. We hadn't played them since 2013. New head coach, Robert and I is a different offensive coordinator we've never seen. It's just one of those things that we were not prepared for. They did also did some different things that we were not prepared for in this game that helped their offensive line out a little bit, but we are familiar with Ohio State, and you better believe that Brent Venables had someone, one of those GAs, chopping up film of Ohio Ohio State all season. I know that if I've done this, I've watched every single Ohio State game and come up with my own conclusions. If I've done that, you better believe that Brent Venables has done that. So again, these guys aren't good. And the reason why I say that is that while Justin Fields has been pretty good this season. Obviously, he was invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Uh, you, you know, they've got a really good running game. When it comes to the passing game, he has been sacked a lot, 27 times. That's over half of what Trevor Lawrence has been sacked this season. Uh, and you know, not only that, but you look at the fact that Justin Fields is also not 100% healthy. That's going to be a critical point in this game. If that offensive line can't hold up and Justin Fields has taken a lot of sacks, it's going to be bad for the offensive uh, side of the ball for Ohio State. Uh, again, they want to keep him healthy. That is their chance of winning this game, their offense being able to put up points. Um, you know, again, they have some really good players. I'm not I'm not just sitting here down talking their offensive line. They got a senior in Josh Myers, really good center. It's pretty good. I like Brandon Bowen, right guard. Senior, a lot of a lot of good play out of him this season. But again, as a whole, none of these guys have any kind of big time experience, especially when it comes to big time games. You know, so I, I'm just not con- I'm not 
convinced that they can hold up against Clemson's pass rush all day. And you're talking about Clemson, who's coming in with a defensive line that was filled with a bunch of unknowns outside of Xavier Thomas. A lot of people were looking at Clemson saying, you know, without the four guys, technically five, that went on to the NFL, you know, they're not going to be that good on defense. Well, to the contrary, Clemson's defense has been playing lights out arguably better than last season. This team as a whole is playing better than last season outside of special teams. So again, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they hold up. But again, you know, the strength of this offense is the running backs, the weakness is the offensive line. But it all relies on how healthy Justin Fields is. So let's go ahead and talk about some keys to the game for the Clemson defense. First and foremost, you want to get after Justin Fields all game. You want to harass him. You want to sack him. You want him on his back all game. Even if he completes the pass, you want to make sure he feels the pressure. You want to make sure he gets hit. The more and more you do that throughout the game, the the more alligator arm he'll get, the more hospital balls he'll throw for the receivers, the more incompletions he'll have, the confidence goes down. They'll have to be one-dimensional. Speaking of one-dimensional, the next key, make Ohio State throw the ball a lot. We don't want them running the ball. You know, you look at a team like Ohio State, they're built to run the ball. They like to run the ball on teams that aren't that good uh, because they test their depth. If you don't have a lot of players in your rotation that can play high level football for you, especially playoff caliber football, you're in trouble because they're going to wear you down. They're going to bleed that clock and you're just going to sit there on the sidelines being very sad. Again, J.K. Dobbins is the best running back we will see all season. Uh, but (laughs) that's just what we want to do. We want to make sure we get them throwing the ball. Clemson has the number one passing defense in the country for a reason. We've seen some really good receivers, some pretty good quarterbacks. I think we can handle this one. Next thing is you want to beat them on third down. We don't want them continuing drives at third down. We want to get them in third down and get off the field, put our offense back on the field. The longer they're on the field, the more you get tired, the more you can't substitute. They're going to start getting into that whole, you know, up-tempo, not allowing you to substitute players. That's where they're going to get their bread and butter. They can run the ball with tempo, and that's what they want to do. So we want to make sure we win on thirds down. Lastly, most important thing, get turnovers. This game is going to be won on turnovers. You can't just go out and play playoff football without getting turnovers. It, it just, you know, that was one of the more critical things against uh, Alabama last season in the playoffs. Same with Notre Dame. Clemson was able to win the turnover margin, and it was able to get them some more momentum offensively, and that's what happened. So we want to make sure we make them cough up the ball, whether it's an interception, a fumble here and there, you know, something just weird, a muffled punt, something like that. We want to make sure that we win the battle of turnovers. We can do that. We can win this game. The thing that I think about this uh, Ohio State offense, again, I talk about how masterful that Ryan Day is. And look, folks, when I say this, don't don't take this with a grain of salt. He is literally that good of offensive play caller. But what I've noticed for Ohio State over the years, and even with a guy like Ryan Day, is that they're really good, almost unbeatable to players and teams that they are better than. You know, when it's an obvious you know, gap, if they're playing Maryland or Rutgers, if they're playing, you know, any of those teams like that, they, they're going to do what they do and it's going to be relatively easy. But when they play some of the teams with better talent overall, I'm talking Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, they don't look that good. And it's always been that. This is the reason why everyone talked about them against Clemson in 2016. You know, they were that team that probably shouldn't have been there. Of course, we know that Penn State actually won the conference. They probably should have went on. But You know, Ohio State was good enough in everyone's opinion because they had Urban Meyer. They were winning and they were beating teams badly outside of that one loss. 
But, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, this this team is, you know, still legit, although closer to the game, everyone's going. Ohio State has no chance. <laughs> That's not the same this year, but we saw that against the better teams they play. They don't look that good. And I'm pretty confident that's exactly what's going to happen this season uh, in this playoff game. I think they're going to go up against Clemson. It's not going to look as good, although they will still be efficient because they have that good of a running game. If Clemson can get some tackles for loss, uh, if they can get some turnovers, it'd be pretty good for the Clemson defense. Folks, in the second segment, we'll be talking about the Clemson offense versus this Ohio State defense and the standout players that they had. We'll also go down through the player and personnel comparison, as I always do. Uh, And then I'll leave you guys with a little bit of prediction, uh, some fun tidbits with that. You listen to 4th and 16th Game Plan. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the 4th and 16th Podcast. All right, folks, second segment of 4th and 16's game plan is underway, and we're going to be talking about the Clemson offense and this really good Ohio State defense. Uh, Of course, they are co-coordinated as well. Got Greg Madison uh, hired over as a co-coordinator and Jeff Halfley. Uh, He is a co-coordinator and secondaries coach. Uh, He actually took the head coaching job over at Boston College, so we'll be seeing a lot more of him in the future. Uh, But again, these guys are co-coordinators. They were hired to really shore up a lot of different things that happened with Ohio State. Of course, they lost some people. Alex Grinch went down to Oklahoma. Uh, But, you know, they have really turned around this Ohio State defense. Last year, that Ohio State defense was just kind of porous, honestly. Uh, And for the last few years, actually, they've been kind of weak. That has been the weak link of this Ohio State team. They've had really good offenses, uh, or at least dominant against bad teams. I talked about that in the first segment, uh, but their defense is just kind of lackluster. But now they have some premier players. They've always had premier players. You talk about the Bosa's, talk about Raekwon McMillan. Uh, they've had some really good players, Hooker. <laughs> but now they are really good at every single level. And we'll get into that. So they are a little bit different from all the teams that we've played this season. Uh, They're more of that four-down lineman look. They don't really like to change out of that much often. 4-3 is their real uh, scheme to work out of, but they can be multiple. Uh, They're balanced, very, very balanced. Their philosophy is more of something like a bend-don't-break. However, they are still very aggressive. Bend-don't-break is what I meant like, To give you an example, Clemson was a bend, don't break against Alabama last season, whereas Alabama had a ton of yards. They moved up and and down the field all game. They were unable to come away with more than 16 points in the game. That's kind of what uh, Ohio State likes to do, although they have played some teams that they have really put a hurting on with their defense. Uh, And it really starts in the trenches for Ohio State. That is by far the strength of this defense, although they have some other units that are pretty good uh, that are comparable. This this trench, this D-line for Ohio State is legitimate, folks. They are kind of like uh, the Clemson D-line of last season, although they have more, it's more of a one-man show, although the other guys are really good. Clemson, it was more of, all of the guys were really good. Uh, but um, we'll go ahead and talk about it. Let's start with that D-line. First and foremost, a Heisman ceremony invitee and chase young we don't see that very often i think reggie white's been there and Damakon sue was there but not a whole lot of defensive linemen make the uh heisman ceremony but he is there and for good reason this guy is a monster 
He's about 6'6", 265, very fast, great hands, great feet. He knows all the moves. He has every single move in his playbook. Uh, he knows how to bull rush a quarterback, but he also can juke them and spin them. I've seen I've, I've seen all of these things happen to left tackles out there. It's just not a good day for those guys. But, uh, you know, he can be game-planned against. Although the problem with that is that, like I mentioned, the rest of the D-line is so good that you can take him out and it, they still roll. They're still able to get a lot of pressure, get after the quarterback, and make some tackles for loss. Uh, but he is the standout there. They do have a lot of players, though. They've got a guy like Tyreek Smith. He's a sophomore, can really play some good football. Robert Landers, he's a tackle. He, he spends time with uh, rotating with Tommy Togiai, another really good player. Uh, but like I said, Chase Young, Robert Landers, Tyreek Smith, the other defensive end, some Jonathan Cooper, they're able to rotate a lot of players uh, because they are that good. And they, they want to get these guys up the field quickly. That's why they're so good on the D-line. They're able to, you know, get through these lines upfield faster than they did last year. It's just, you know, more north and south now. They they are able to control their gap. That's what makes them very important. They're able to control those gaps. A lot of teams, these guys get washed out and they're not even in the play. You'll see the D-linemen being like 10 yards away from the tackle and they are just got their hands on the hips. These guys are all crowding. They know how to control their gaps. That helps out the linebackers and the secondary so much more. Uh, again, this D-line is legitimate. They also do something with this two-eye. I'll explain this a little bit. The, nap, the nose tackle. Normally, these guys are either left or right of the center, uh, you know, A gaps on either side. But these guys like to do something called two-eye. They are basically lined up right inside of the guard. Makes it a little bit crazier. It's kind of a strange move commonly made to basically get penetration. They're able to make outside runs really hard. So any team trying to run outside on Ohio State, not to mention their ends are extremely fast and long. It just makes it hard for you to run any kind of outside zone. You have to really come at them with some counters, some you know play action type things. You want to come at them with things that are going to throw them off their timing and their gap responsibilities. I think the quarterback draw, the running back draw in this game is really going to work out. But again, they have some big guys inside that play that two-eye spot. Uh, Togiai, he's going to be one of those guys that can do that. Same with Robert Landers. Uh, Devon Hamilton is another player that can kind of clog up a, a, a spot, um, but we'll see what happens with those guys. Again, if Clemson's able to really have a good day with their offensive line, give Trevor some time, uh, they're really going to have a good game. But if not, it's going to be not good for this Clemson offense. These guys are able to really cause the most havoc that we've had uh, in a long time. <laughs> so uh, I look at a guy like uh, Chase Young, uh, you know, you hear Tremaine Ankrum, right tackle for Clemson, talk about how he reminds him of that Bradley Chubb type guy. Okay, well, imagine Bradley Chubb, but even faster, even bigger, and even stronger. That's the problem with Chase Young. A lot of teams don't have tackles or guards that can mix up with him because he's able to do a lot of different things. He can play inside, he can play that two eye spot that I talk about. He can also line up at the five tech, six tech. He can do a lot of different things. So that's what makes lining up against Chase Young very difficult. But I think that Clemson's going to have a really good game plan scheming against him. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, what I think Clemson should do uh, to be able to mitigate that. Again, they rotate a lot of players. This is something that they haven't been able to do in previous seasons. They don't have a lot of guys that could do it. Uh, now they have a lot of young players, like I talked about, Landers, Hamilton, Togia, Jackson, Young, Cooper, uh, even some younger guys in Teron Vincent, Cornell, Garrett, they they able they're all able to get 
guys rotating. So that's going to be a problem. We want to get them situation where they can't rotate guys. Got those big fat boys with their hands on their hips. That's what we want. Uh, but I, I would say the next strength of the defense by far secondary. They have three guys that will be playing in the NFL next season for sure. Starts with cornerback Jeffrey Okuda. He is the guy that will be probably lined up on our best receiver in this game the entire time, no matter who's in. It'll probably be T. Higgins or Justin Ross. He'll be shadowing them in the entire game. This guy is big. He's physical. He's about 6'1", 215. Great hands. He can play up close and press coverage. He can also back off and zone. He's got great feet, great hips. He knows when to turn around. He's got good ball techniques. That's what you want to see in a cornerback. A guy that knows when you see the eyes go up for a receiver, you see their hands go up, you turn your head, you don't get any penalties for anything. He's good with his hands as well. Like I said, this is one of the guys that will be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, in my opinion. Uh, and if you look at a lot of guys, he will be a top 10 pick. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda is legit. You'll see his name uh, being made a lot. He's also really good in run coverage as well. But I think the better corner when it comes to run coverage is actually Damon Arnett. He's a senior as well. Arnett is one of those guys that's a little bit smaller. He's about, they say he's six foot. He's actually probably more about 5'10". Uh, that's being generous. Uh, he's got a little weight to him. He's about 205 pounds as well, but he is one of those guys that can lay the wood when it comes to run game. He's very good in run support. Uh, he's able to shed a block very good. He's very good with his feet and hips as well. He can be very inconsistent, though, when it comes to the passing game. Uh, so a lot of teams try to pick on this guy, but the problem with picking on him, and I talked about this in the first segment with Tanner Muse, is that they usually game plan against some of that. He's, he's going to be on the boundary a lot, so he's going to have the sideline to help him out. Uh, push the receivers out or, you know, having a safety over top. And their safeties are also really good as well. Jordan Fuller is one of those guys at safety that should have went to the NFL last year. He was like, you know what? I'll come back for another season. I got some unfinished business and they're in the playoffs now. They're going to have a chance to try to do that. So he's one of those guys that can really, really make up a lot of ground. He was kind of the quarterback last season. He called a lot of the plays for pre-snap for the defense. He made most of the plays. Um, you know, he was the man, especially if he lined up in the middle anywhere, if he was a one high or if he was down in the box a little bit, he was the guy that was calling the play, setting the alignment for the linebackers defense uh, and for the defensive line. So uh, very smart player, very good too. He can also be uh, a little bit weak in run support, uh, but as far as pass coverage, this guy's legit. Uh, they've got some other players too. I'm talking about a guy like Pryor, Jason Wentz. Pretty good. I, I think the other one, Seven Banks, cornerback that will come in sometimes, he's one of those rotated guys. He's very good as well. He's good in coverage. He's a little bit thin, though. I don't know that he can hold up uh, against some of our bigger receivers. Uh, mismatches in general will be big time for this game for the Clemson receivers. We want to look for the guys that kind of look like they have deer in the headlights look, especially pre-snap. If they're rotating players out because a guy needs a break or something happens personnel-wise, that's the guy we want to look after uh, in this game. Uh, I would say the weakest link, but not really a weak link would be the linebackers. Uh, and you know, they've got some good players. Of course, they are missing some of the guys that they've had in previous seasons. You know, I talked about not having a guy like Raekwon Millen there, like in the past, he, he's been one of those guys that was just a, a Ben Bowler, a, a uh, you know, Isaiah Simmons type guy, but now he's moved on to the NFL. He's been there for a little while. They haven't really had any consistency at linebacker. Ohio State's been pretty bad at linebacker over the past few years. Terrible at tackling, all those things. But now they're playing more heads up. They're playing downfield, fast and aggressive. They've got some pretty good players as well. But now 
these guys are kind of the quarterbacks of the defense now. I talked about how Jordan Fuller, the safety, was doing it. He talked about a little bit last season how the safeties were the ones that were calling the plays, but now the linebackers are calling the plays for the majority of the time. Of course, the safeties still do that. It depends on where they're lined up. Like I said, if Jordan Fuller's playing a one high, he's by himself in the middle of the field, he's probably calling the plays. But mostly it's the linebackers. And I would say the the quarterback uh, of the linebackers would probably be Tough Borland. He's the middle linebacker. He's a junior, big, strong player. He's one of those intimidating type guys. You see another guy like Pete Werner, although they kind of play that bullet position, which is kind of like a nickelback linebacker hybrid. Uh, those guys play the bullet position. But Pete Werner, another quarterback of the defense, uh, he's a junior. He has a lot of experience, too, for uh, Ohio State. Uh, Malik Harrison, though, in my opinion, might be the best player in that linebacking group is Malik Harrison. He's a senior, good size, a lot of experience, smart, strong, Haiti player. He's got great hands, great with block shedding. He's good in traffic too. If a lot of things start to get washed up, you know, the linemen start pushing everyone backwards and he's good at figuring out, you know, trying to get away from that and making the tackle. He's a really good player. I look for him to have a whole lot of tackles in this game. Uh, but again, tough Borland, Malik Harrison, uh, Brendan White is another guy who's going to get a lot of playing time. But I'm, I'm not exactly sure if he's going to be starting over Pete Werner or not. But uh, those guys, like I said, they kind of rotate in that bullet position type thing, which is kind of similar to the Sam linebacker for Clemson. But although they use those guys a little bit more as linebackers, where Clemson has the versatility of using a guy like Isaiah Simmons, not only rushing from the D-line, but he can also rush from the middle section. He can rush from you know secondary. He can play in the secondary covering. He, he's just all purpose. Uh, these guys are more like actual linebackers. Uh, but when they do that, though, when they bring those guys in, they have to rotate another player out because that is telling of what kind of defense they're going into. Ohio State is very telling uh, what they do scheme-wise. If they have one of those bullet guys in, you know they're more focused on the run. If they take one of those guys out in rotation to try to get another secondary guy, you know they're going to try to cover the pass. Uh, that's really easy for Clemson to do because if Clemson's able to see that offensively, you see a guy running off, you bring him in, and then you go exactly this is why I said this was important earlier in the season. They're building Clemson's building offensively a lot of tape for people to not know exactly what they're doing. They're starting to implement implement things. They're doing different things out of different per personnel groups, out of different formations. Therefore, if you look at Clemson and you see that they're in four wide, you're going to go. They're probably going to throw the ball, right? Well, if you bring in another guy to do that, Clemson automatically sees, hey, this is going to be a pass coverage situation. We're going to get them with a delay. They hit you with a delay, right? All right, now you know, okay, Clemson's going to try to run the ball. We need to bring somebody else back in. Clemson can go into that fort wide yet again and go right back to a pass. Very important for Clemson to be able to build off of what they've done uh, with their scheme sets, and I think it's going to work in this game. Uh, but again, these linebackers are okay. They're pretty good. Uh, they're not as strong as the D-line and the secondary, uh, but let's make no mistake about it. They're not terrible. <laughs> they're much better than a lot of teams we've played this season, although I wouldn't say they are the best group uh, that we've seen so far. But again, this defense, very, very talented. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a tough time against this Ohio State defense. They, they really have lived up to the billing, uh, and I think that's what's going to keep Ohio State in this game uh, for at least the majority of it. So we'll talk about that. But let's move over to special teams, and this is where I think they actually uh, have an advantage over Clemson. Their kickers and punters are atypical for the position. These guys are big. Kicker Blake Hobill and punter Drew Crisman are massive. 
I think both guys are about 6'4", closer to 6'5", about 230 and 240 pounds, respectively. These guys are monsters, and they have big legs. I'm talking about monster legs, especially Chrisman. Chrisman's able to get you in the behind the 20 routinely. <laughs> Everything I've seen with this kid is always coffin cornered. He's very good. He's booming kicks. He's very accurate as well. Uh, Ho Bill's pretty accurate as well. Uh, these guys are able to be a big, 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 important piece of this game for Ohio State because uh, they're going to be consistent. Now, if they're having a bad game and they're giving Clemson really good field position, particularly because they're missing kicks or the punter's having a bad day when it comes to punts, uh, Clemson's going to have a heyday because, you know, it's field position. That's the name of the game in this one. Uh, you know, they want to make sure Clemson's having to go the entire field instead of getting the ball around their 40 and taking it down. They don't want that. Uh, that would be bad for Ohio State. So they're going to focus a lot on their special teams. That's what's going to give them a little bit of an edge, in my opinion, uh, but I don't think it's enough to really change the game so much as if Clemson uh, just takes over offensively and defensively. Now, if Clemson's out there turning the ball over or muffing punts or just making boneheaded decisions like you know, catching the ball uh, inside the 10 and you know stuff like that, you don't want to do that. But uh, you know, if Clemson's playing the best game that they can play, I think Clemson wins this one. Let's go ahead and move over to the comparisons of position groups. We're also going to add another group in into this. We're going to do coaching. That's something that's going to be very important. I think we should do that. Uh, it's about time where we compare position groups from each team. And as always, we start with the guys on the outside of the hashes, the wide receivers. Uh, for the wide receiver group, I'm going to go with Clemson. I just think that Clemson's receivers are more mature, uh, although some of them are pretty young. Um, particularly younger group as a whole uh, than the Ohio State but, uh, receiver group. But I think they're better, more talented up front. I think Clemson has pretty good depth as well, whereas I think that Olave is probably going to be extremely explosive. K.J. Hill is going to be one of those players that's explosive. You really have to watch out for Victor. He's very sneaky, slippery type guy. Uh, but and same with Mac, but I, I just don't think that they as a whole can win the matchup between their corners uh, and our receivers or our corners and their receivers. I don't think they're going to win that matchup. Uh, I have to go with the receivers at Clemson. For the quarterbacks, I'm going with Clemson. I think, again, while Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is an intriguing matchup because, again, both guys come from Georgia. Both guys are one and two in the rankings. Both guys have brought their teams to the playoff, although one has won one <laughs> and is still undefeated. Uh, you know, outside of those two guys, you know, Justin Fields is it for Ohio State. They have no one else that can win this game for them. I'm not exactly sold on Chase Bryce being able to go out and win the game for Clemson against Ohio State, but I think he could weather the storm and at least keep the machine moving. Whereas I don't think Chris Chuganov or Gunnar Hoke could do anything against this Clemson defense. They would literally have to shut down. They would bog down and be a run first team the entire time. And Clemson didn't have to worry about anything uh, at that point besides stopping J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague. So uh, again, I'm going with Clemson on this one. I think it's a slight, uh, just because you know you when you're starting to talk depth, that's about that's about uh, small things here and there. But again, I think Clemson has the better quarterback, the more proven quarterback. Uh, and again, I, I would just trust uh, Trevor Lawrence over Justin Fields at this point. When it comes to running backs, I'm going to go even. 
I think that J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne both deserve uh, a lot of credit for their team's success over the past few years. I think that J.K. Dobbins is the best player on that offense. I think that Travis Etienne, pound for pound, is the best player on that offense for Clemson as well. Um, I think that both guys will be relied upon. I think both backups and Teague and Lynn J. Dixon uh, can really make some noise in this game as well if they, they get on a roll. Uh, I think their depth for both teams are pretty good. So I'm going to have to go even with this one. It's a little bit closer than I thought. Again, uh, J.K. Dobbins is an All-American. So is, uh, so is Travis Etienne. And again, J.K. Dobbins is the best running back we've seen all season. Tight ends is particularly easy, although there is going to be some things that I think are important to watch out for. I'm going to go with Ohio State outright on this one, but I do think the emergence of having a guy like Braden Galloway will change the dynamic of this Clemson offense. Uh, but again, Ohio State has had these guys making plays for them all season. They have more experience. Uh, I wouldn't say particularly better, but these guys are just producing more and more of a bigger facet of the Ohio State offense. Right now, I have to give them uh, outright to Ohio State. But I think Brayton Galloway is going to play a very important part. I talked about this in last episode that I think that with the emergence of Brayton Galloway, you have to account for him. So if Clemson's in the 11 personnel, naturally beforehand, it was more of you looking at a guy like J.C. Chalk and saying he's a great player, but we're not really concerned with him from a defensive standpoint of being a threat in the passing game. You say the same for Davis Allen. You say the same for J.C. Chalk. You could say the same thing for Luke Price. You could say the same thing for J.L. Banks, any of the guys that came in. But with Braden Galloway, you know that he is a receiving threat. You have to either cover him, account for him, or you don't. If you don't, you know, he's going to be there available. We have not used the middle of the field much this se- this season. He could be there for us as a sort of uh, safety valve type thing. If not, if you do cover him, you can throw it to the outside because you have no, you're one, you're down one player because he's having to account for due. If you have a triangle situation where you have a linebacker or a safety having to have dual responsibility on the tight end and the running back, he's going to make a bad decision. All Trevor Lawrence has to do is make that one read. It's over. So again, I, I do have to give credit to Ohio State. I, I'll give them uh, the tight ends for this one. For the offensive line, I'm going Clemson. Clemson has more experience on a higher level of play. They've been there and done that more often. They also have more talent along the offensive line, including the youngster, uh, Jackson Carmen. He's still probably better than majority of their offensive line, so much so that they wanted him really bad. <laughs> of course, we all know about that controversy uh, with, you know, having Dabo tell Jackson Carmen. One of the pitching points was that, you know, Urban Meyer is about done. He's not going to be there forever. I'm going to be here at Clemson, make the right decision. And Jackson did that. He came from Ohio down to Clemson uh, and they were a little sour about that. So it's going to be interesting, especially seeing him going up against a guy like Chase Young uh, for a good amount of the game. Of course, Chase Young is going to be all over the defensive line at different spots. He might even line up in the middle zone sometimes. We don't know that. So, uh, but it'll be interesting matchup to see. But again, I think Clemson's offensive line is just better top to bottom. They have better depth. And again, that experience factor does play a difference. Uh, of course, uh, Clemson has protected Trevor Lawrence really well this season. Uh, and they have not protected Justin Fields that well this season. So Clemson's offensive line wins this one. Defensive line, I'm going a long shot, uh, Ohio State. Now, look, I think that Clemson has done admirably with the defensive line. 
You have some players that will blossom into being probably unstoppable versions of themselves in the future, some future Chase Young type players. Uh, and you'll have some guys with a lot of rotation experience. Uh, that's kind of the Clemson MO. We've always had a lot of players that can come in and play at a high level. But Ohio State's defensive line is better than Clemson's. You've got a guy who was invited to the Heisman ceremony. A lot of people are like, eh, what was that for? Legitimately set a lot of records <laughs> for a, a defensive player. Uh, he's won a lot of awards. He's got a lot of experience. He is what Brian Brzee will be in a couple of years. Mark my word. Uh, so, you know, he, he is legitimately that good. Him alone really changes the whole dynamic of the defensive line. But they have other players that are really good as well. They have a lot of depth, just as much as Clemson's. But their front four are more experienced and probably better pound for pound than Clemson's. That's not to say that Clemson's defensive line is not good. We know how good Clemson's defensive line can be, but they really have to win the battle of the trenches in this game. I talked about how their offensive line for Ohio State is not that good. Well, if Clemson's not getting pressure, that's a loss because <laughs> you want to get pressure. That's the name of the game for this Clemson defense. You want to get after Justin Fields. If you can't, it's going to be a problem. Uh, but I know for a fact that you know Ohio State's going to get some pressure on Clemson. That's just the way it is. Uh, we know that. That's built into the game plan. We'll talk about that a little bit more, some keys to the game for the defense. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting matchup. Clemson has to win the battle of the trenches in this game. Um, moving on to linebackers, I'm going to go Clemson uh, again. They don't have a single player. I have not seen a team that we've played so far that has a player like Isaiah Simmons. He is all over the field. He is the best player on this defense. He is the best player in this game for both defenses, uh, including over Chase Young. I know Chase Young, I just talked about him and gloated over. I think Isaiah Simmons is more versatile. I think he's faster. I think he's smarter. Uh, and he's also one of those guys that you can't really, you have to account for him, but you can't really game plan him. He, he's where you can kind of game plan a guy like uh, Chase Young. You can't really do that for Isaiah Simmons because he just, changes your whole offensive mindset. So again, Isaiah Simmons. Plus, I really like the player Jamie Skalski. He's really proved a lot of people that he's able to fill in that mic position just well. I think a lot of people were kind of upset that you lost a guy like Trey Lamar and Shaq. But, uh, you know, he came in and he's playing admirably. Some of the best football he's ever played. And he's a very smart player. Chad Smith, same thing. Guy's been there for five years. Very smart. Very heady. He's been a very good, um, you know, part of this whole special teams thing uh, for the entirety of his Clemson career, but he's really out there playing good football for us right now. He could be a little bit of a mismatch when it comes to some of the tight ends. We'll talk about that, maybe running backs and whatnot, but uh, still, I think that Chad Smith and this linebacker core is playing well, especially especially with the depth too. We got a lot of young, young guys that are going to be coming in playing some good football for Clemson. I think over the past few weeks, we've seen a guy like Balin Spector really come in and be a missile for this defense. We've seen Mike Jones come in and be a very, very good player. Jake Venables is going to have a great career at Clemson. He might not have the flashy, gaudy numbers, but he's going to be a very integral part of this Clemson defense in the future. Uh, and, you know, I just really like all of the young guys that we have. And Kane Patterson, and you're going to have the entire arsenal available outside of Brighton Constantine because he's still dealing with injury. But there's going to be a lot of players that can play for this Clemson defensive uh, linebacker core. So, again, I'm going to give Clemson. For the secondary, I have to go even. 
I go even because they have all Americans. We have all Americans. Uh, we have the number one passing defense in the country. They have some of the better pass, uh, pass coverage guys in the country. Again, I talk about Okuda. I talk about Arnett. I talk about Fuller. I'm not so sold on the guy like Pryor in this game. Uh, Ripe, maybe. I know Went could be a good player for them. But I'm very, very, very confident that this secondary will play an abnormally great game. I think they're going to be a lot of the reason why this game could possibly get out of hand for Clemson later on in the game. Uh, I think that uh, you got guys like Kayvon Wallace and Tanner Muse and Denzel Johnson and possibly A.J. Terrell possibly playing the last few games of their career at Clemson. You know, they want to go out with a bang. You're talking about up-and-comers like Darian Kendrick, Mario Goodrich, Sheridan Jones, who's been fantastic. You know, Nolan Turner, just a a plethora of players that they can use to their arsenal. Uh, I think they're going to have a fantastic game. Now, I'm not saying that I don't think that Ohio State's defense uh, won't have theirs. They won't get theirs at all. I know that a guy like Okuda will probably bait uh, a guy like Trevor Lawrence. He'll have an interception or or something like that, or when, uh, and they might get a break with a fumble here and there. But I, I just have a feeling that Clemson secondary is going to be the reason why this game gets ugly for Ohio State. Uh, and we'll talk about that, too, in the in the keys to the game. But I have to go even in this one, although I think that Clemson will have the better day. Moving over to special teams, I'm going to have to go slight Ohio State. Now, I, I think that Ohio State uh, has some really good kickers and punters. I talked about Hobill and Chrisman, very good players. I'm not too afraid of their return game. I think that Dennis McCall, I didn't really talk about him a lot. Dennis McCall is one of those players that can break one. And same with KJ Hill. Uh, he's very athletic, especially with punt return. But I think that uh, Clemson's special teams unit is comparable when it comes to return game. Maybe not so much when it comes to kicking. But that's a very, that's a very important part because we need Will Spires to be on his A game in this in these two playoff games that we could potentially have. He needs to be able to get them cornered and having bad field position all day. That's going to help this defense help out a lot. Uh, you know, it, it's just going to go towards the advancement of this game for Clemson Tigers. But if, if you know, he's having a particularly bad game or BT Potter's missing kicks and then they're having to bring in Steven Sawick and he's missing kicks too. It could be bad for Clemson. There's going to be a lot of wasted points if they're not on their A game. Uh, I do think that Ohio State will be probably more consistent with their kicking game. Uh, but, you know, I, I have to give them a slight because, again, those guys have more experience and they're more consistent. Uh, and it's going to play a big part in this game. Clemson's going to have to play consistent for sure. Uh, for the final position uh, that we'll talk about, it's not really a position, <laughs> but is coaching. And I'm going to have to give this one to Clemson. Uh, I, I don't think it's that close either. Uh, you look at some of the individual pieces for Ohio State. Again, Ryan Day, excellent play caller. Uh, you, you look at Madison and Halfley. They're really, really good at making adjustments defensively at halftime. Uh, you're talking about Kevin Wilson, who is a former head coach, so he knows what to do. You're talking about a guy like Mike Yersich, who's really good with quarterbacks and passing game structures and whatnot. But I think that Clemson's coaches have been proven uh, you know, they've won two of the last four national championships. They've got to win each of this guy. All of these guys know what it takes to win a national championship because they were all there last year. Ohio State's still trying to figure that out. Um, you know, 
it's just one of those things where it comes to game planning. If you're talking about one of the best game planners, best schemers in the country, you're talking about a guy like Brent Venables. You're talking about a guy who is, you know, often mocked a little bit about for some of his game plan decisions and whatnot. Uh, but as of late, has really turned it on and opened up this offense in Tony Elliott, who now has full reign of this offense. And, you know, Jeff Scott's still, still going to be there. He's more of the passing game coordinator. It'll work out. But I think that Tony Elliott is going to get an opportunity to really run the show. And we're, we're seeing him really open it up. Uh, and you're talking about a guy like Brandon Streeter, who is one of the, in my opinion, best quarterback coaches in the country. What he's done in this short few years that he's been at Clemson is fantastic. Um you know, I'm just happy to see what we got. We got receiver coach now and Tyler Grisham, who's going to be bright and up and coming guy. Uh, I'm just telling you, I think these coaches are fantastic. But the most important coach of all is Dabo Sweeney. Dabo has more experience in this game than any of the coaches in the playoffs right now. He is the most experienced with it. He's actually won these games. He's actually won a national championship. Lincoln Riley hasn't won a playoff game since he's been there. Ed Orgeron has never been there. Ryan Day wasn't there really either. I mean, he's kind of there, but not really. Uh, he didn't have the as big as influence as he does now in 2016. You know, and half of those players weren't there anyway. They didn't play in that game anyway. So this is like a new game for them. But I think that Dabo Sweeney has a plan. He has the best coaches in place to make that plan go forward. Uh, and I just trust everything that he's done because there's no reason to not trust it. And Clemson has a lot to prove. So let's go ahead and talk about some keys to the game for this Clemson offense. First and foremost, we want to protect Trevor. We want to give him enough time to make the right throws, to make the right calls, and all those things. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at Clemson uh, as far as doing exotic plays. They don't have to do anything crazy because they're that good, uh, but they are going to try to confuse Clemson. Uh, they are going to try to get a lot of pressure. So we need to keep Trevor Lawrence upright in this game. I think that Trevor Lawrence needs to get into a rhythm. I say this every single week. That is the most important thing for a quarterback, getting into a rhythm. If you're completing passes here and there, you know, there's a game he had like 18 completions in a row. Like if you can do that, you feel un invincible for a quarterback. <laughs> you, you feel like you can't miss a throw. When you do that, the game's just going to throw in your hands. You got Frisbee catching dogs out there. We saw the crazy kind of catches that T. Higgins can make. Get him into a rhythm that will help Clemson move the ball down the field. We want to run the ball. If you're one-dimensional against Ohio State, that's an issue. Again, they have some of the better pass rushers in the country. They have the best pass rusher in the country in Chase Young. You don't want him in a situation where all he has to do is pin his ears back and rush the quarterback. He doesn't care about the run. He doesn't have to be sound at anything. He just has to rush the quarterback because he knows Clemson is one-dimensional. Clemson has to run the ball with Travis Etienne. They have to run the ball with Lynn J. Dixon. They have to run the ball with Trevor Lawrence. I know a lot of people go, well, don't run Trevor Lawrence. We want to keep him healthy. I understand that, but you have to run them to keep them honest. If Trevor is not a threat, then you just take another thing that they have to worry about off the table. That was, that was what made Deshaun Watson so dangerous is that you knew that he can throw the ball, but you also had to watch for him running the ball, as well as a guy like Wayne Gallman, who just had 1,500 yards rushing. You have to watch out for those type of things. Now you have an elite running back like Travis Etienne. You have really good backups. You know, you've got all these crazy receivers. You're going to have Braden Galloway there. If Trevor Lawrence can throw the ball, that's way too many things for them to figure out. And I talked about the linebackers calling plays. They have simple reads. So if they're having to think about a whole lot of things going forward, it's going to not be good for them. But you have to run the ball. Run the ball at Chase Young. 
<laughs> I know a lot of people have been talking about this, and this sounds very strange. It's like, why would you go towards the best player in the country on defense outside of Isaiah Simmons? Let me put that in there. Why would you do that? Well, very important thing to remember that Chase Young is still a 22 or 23-year-old kid. He's going to make boneheaded decisions here and there. What you want to do is run directly at him. Use counters, use delays. You want to use all kinds of things like that. The reason why you want to do that, go directly at him, is because he's going to expect you to run away from him. When you come towards him, you want to make him be too aggressive. You want to make him run directly at the running back, run directly at the quarterback. Because when that happens, if you can do that, if you can get him to where he's over-pursuing and being way too aggressive, you can run right past him. If he wants to come out wide and he's you know, trying to get around the tackle, Jackson Carmen, because Jackson Carmen's a large human being. He's 6'6", 340. <laughs> he's got a lot of, a lot of room to, to cover, too. If you can get him to go outside, use his outside moves. You hit him with a counter or a delay right in the spot where he wasn't. Okay, Because they're not going to shade. They're, that's not what Ohio State does. They like to go in their gaps. All right? So you get him going outside, you hit him with a counter, you hit him with a delay right in the spot where he wasn't. If he's getting little smart about that and he wants to stay home a little bit you know what you do there you play action now he's got a lot of length he can jump up and tip the balls but if you play action trevor lawrence is six foot six as well he can throw the ball over him he can see over him that's where it comes important you want to make him think way too much because if he's doing that he can't do what he's best at and that's running directly at the tackle he can do that yeah you know you want to run directly at chase young don't be surprised if you see early in the game, Clemson do what's called that little bucket drive where they basically do like a counter play. Trevor Lawrence is going this way, you know, tight ends coming around the other side pulling. You have Travis Etienne going the opposite direction, right at Chase Young. Watch that earlier. Uh, I'm telling you, that's going to happen. You're going to hit him with a play action. That's going to make that defensive line sit. Then it's over. Clemson can really attack the middle of the field in this one. Lastly, no turnovers, just like the defense. Tur defense needs to get a lot of turnovers. The offense needs to avoid them at all cost. I'm not saying be conservative and you know sh throw short passes all game and run you know very very low percentage run plays. I'm talking about be conservative when you're running the ball. If you're catching the ball, go up with two hands. You know, don't tip the balls up. If you're not going to make it, don't tip it up. Bat it down if you're going to get in that situation where you know you can't catch it. You know, no turnovers. Uh, if if you give Ohio State with a defense as good as they are, who can score off a of scoop and score or or pick six, they can do that. Or just giving the ball back to their offense. You just don't want to do that. Clemson has to protect the football in this game. If they can do that, they can win that game. That, that's really it. That's all I think. So if I'm going to go with this game, I'm going to go with Clemson. It should be no surprise to anyone out there. You know, I kind of waffled on this from doing my film study from the teams. But the more I watch Clemson, the more I watch Ohio State, and the more research I've done, again, Ohio State's offense and their defense kind of takes a dip against some of the better teams that they play. You know, you talk about a guy like Chase Young having a million sacks against some teams. You know, that game against Wisconsin, in my opinion, the first one is the reason why he made uh, the Heisman ceremony. He had a ton of tackles. He had a ton of sacks. He had a ton of different things. He was the game wrecker. But then there's games where he's relatively silent and the rest of the defense takes over. But they, they still don't do that great of a time. Uh, you know, it's just the more that I see, the more that 
We see Clemson on this track of getting better. They're starting to peak now. They're not peaking last week. They didn't peak the week before. They didn't peak against Virginia, even though they scored 62 points. We're now starting to see Clemson get into their rhythm, which is scary for everyone. We're healthy. Uh, We've been there before, and we have the right coaching. (laughs) I have to go with Clemson. So if I'm going to pick a score... I would say Clemson 38, Ohio State 28. I think it's going to be about a 10-point game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be extreme blowout like we saw with Notre Dame last season, but I don't think it's going to be as close as the score looks. I think that Clemson's going to have this game pretty much in hand by the end of the third quarter. I think Ohio State is going to make some adjustments. They are going to put some points on the board later on. Uh, But I just don't think that uh, they have all the tools when it comes to playing a Clemson team that's been there before with the great coaching and great talent on both sides of the ball. The only way that I see Clemson losing this game is if they have a particularly bad game, uh, either defensively or Special teams just cannot get it together. That's the only way that I see Clemson losing this game. Uh, but I do, I, I'm not saying this to say that I don't think that Clemson can lose against Ohio State. I think they have the team that can beat Clemson. They are very talented. Again, they were talked as the most complete team the entire season. And I think that's for good reason. But again, from what I've seen uh, for for this year and going back and looking at some of the older games in previous years, Ohio State just kind of folds when they play the better teams. Uh, so there's that. Folks, I want to thank each and every one of you who's been with me all this year. Uh, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your support in 4th and 16. Uh, you know, we've got more stuff coming up. Next year is going to be awesome. Uh, just stick with me. Um, but, folks, we got one more game. We've got one more game. I'd be highly surprised if Clemson was not playing in the national championship. I truly look forward to being able to do a game plan against Whoever comes out on the other side, probably LSU, but that's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) But again, we've got another episode. Stick with me, folks. This is going to be fun. If you're going to the game, be careful. Enjoy yourself. And as always, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger.